This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we watch sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, The Tripods, Season 2, Episodes 10 and 12. Should be enough oxygen here for you to survive the tunnel. Well, come on, what about you? I'm staying. What? I have far too good a position here, provided they don't associate me with the disappearance of these three. But you're supposed to be dead. It'd be dangerous for you now. Yes. But the advantage of having someone in the inside until you come back with help, that far outweighs the danger. I don't envy you staying behind. Take care on your way back to Julius. Thanks, Ruth. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast joining the circus. I'm Luke, <laughs> here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? You know, I was uh, watching this with uh, someone and uh, we were discussing how you were really enjoying it and I was not enjoying it. And they said to me that they're worried about your mental well-being if you're enjoying the show. <laughs> it's a fun show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what they were worried about. <laughs> Comments like that. Oh. oh, people have lost their sense of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, you watched Dial of Destiny, which is worse. <laughs> that's a good question. You'll have to ask me in six months which one I remember. <laughs> I bet you it's the tripods. You might be right. You you could very well be right. It did very few scenes in that Indiana Jones movie did a tripod step on him. <laughs> How many tentacle monsters were there? Yeah, exactly. Well, Jordan, before we get into this final episode on the tripods, why don't we discuss recasting the series as a major motion picture, a la Dial of Destiny. We're going. We're going to make this a big franchise. It's starting. I'll be honest. I am... Having watched just even the nine episodes or whatever we've watched of this, maybe it's 10, uh, maybe it's 11, I don't remember. I am surprised this is not a rebooted franchise. Like, this feels ready to go for the YA craze. I would agree with you. It has all of the tropes that I think people like in these sort of books. It has the potential for adventure and all the sort of things I think people like in this genre. It's just... You'll see what my casting is. I think there needs to be some adjustments to really make it hit, you know? I mean, we got to modernize it, that's for sure. They have to be, uh, I don't know, those little wristband things they have have to be more like like Apple Watches. They have to be like a smartphone, and it has to be a commentary on how kids look at TikTok. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly it. We need more commentary in movies. That's what people like. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Well, of course, we've got our lead, Will Parker. We'll start We'll start there with that character. I've got two choices. I assume you have two choices, but I'm not sure. I have two for this and pretty much one for all the rest of them. And I'll, I'll say off the bat, I have difficulty casting these young movies because I don't know who the young stars are. So there's a lot of me Googling and then looking at people's names. It's like, it's Colton Whitehead. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. See, and I know for you, it's hard. And you say for these young stars, and by young stars, you mean anyone under 42 is difficult for yeah. you to cast. And we're That's asking right. to cast 16-year-olds, so it's even harder for you. Yeah. Like, literally yesterday, I watched Barefoot in the Park with Robert Redford. I have no idea who these kids are. <laughs> All right, Jen. Well, let's start with Will Parker then. Who, who did you have for that role for casting? The first thing, I think, to modernize it a la um, uh, most of these, I think you need a female lead. And so I've changed Will to Willa. Could still be Will, I guess. They People like having, like, uh, what do they name the woman in Star Trek? They're like, Michael Barnum. But it's a woman. You're like, great. 
Um, so that sort of thing. So it's this is this is still you will. punched your TV, right? You were so furious about that. Night. That wasn't the one I was furious about. I was furious about how terrible the show was. I could care less about her. And uh, so the, I have two actors now. I I don't know them very well, but I figured they're going to be big stars because they're Disney people. And the first one is in an upcoming Snow White because I was just reading about that. So because you know how Disney loves their IPs and regurgitating them. So there's an actress named Rachel Zegler, and she's going to be the new Snow White. So that was my first pick. Okay. Okay. So they're going young for Snow White, huh? Mm-hmm. I she I think she's like a mid to late teen. I I couldn't tell you. She she might be. 55 years old i can't tell you <laughs> anywhere between 41 and 13 yeah. there you go well i went with uh canadian child star jacob tremblay from the room <laughs> you know it's funny i i looked at him too um and i was just like is he still a thing do people people still like him sure why not he's jacob tremblay i suppose star of the room Bad Boys, maybe maybe a show called bad boys or naughty boys um yeah. might have been <laughs> in a predator boys. movie <laughs> Naughty Boys. I hope that's what the movie's called. I'm not going to look it up, so we'll never know. No, I, I won't either. Okay, so those, those are both pretty good. So I'll give you my second. So either either we're going to we're gonna gender swap this or not. But I, w- I was sticking with my Willa character. And then also the exact same Disney IP idea is from The Little Mermaid, which apparently the actress name is Halle Berry. There's two Halle Berries now. Is her name Halle Berry? Yeah. Are you sure? H-A-L-L-E and then Bailey. B-A-I-L-E. Haley Bailey. Haley Bailey, excuse me, not Bay. Uh, what's the other one? Barry, Haley, Halle Berry. You're you're exactly right. I just read it as Halle Berry. It's Haley, Halle Bailey. So it's not the same name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, there you go. That's why I shouldn't cast young people. Okay, so she's a little more. Is she? I feel like she's older than sixteen, though. I guess it doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. People have been playing. I mean, people have been we, we, like a rubber nine hundred two and oh These kids were like thirty. <laughs> Well, I've cast a, a 16-year-old in the role here, but I've also I've also done a little uh, a little gender swap for this because I agree. I think you can, any of these characters can be any gender. It doesn't really matter. None of the mm-hmm. plot mechanisms facilitated anything. Well, the characters are so two-dimensional. You could make them anything you want to be. I went with a young woman named Priya Ferguson. You might remember her from Stranger Things. She plays the little sister of uh, one of the brothers in that, and whose name I forget, but he's... Uh, She's uh what I got her name written down here maybe no I don't sorry but um I don't know if you watched the later season she's a real gem in the later seasons who really like steals the screen I wasn't familiar I stopped watching that show at a certain point because I was like they're still making it but um I think you know these people better than I do I'm literally just looking through IPs here yeah I can tell well I don't I'm not taking a risk on someone who's playing Snow White in movies that's not released yet because no offense <laughs> but a lot of those people who did those live action remakes it didn't work out for many of them. I think because no one really wants these movies other than Disney. <laughs> yeah, it's it doesn't seem like they're star-making vehicles. It just seems like people get the roles like, congratulations, you're now this Disney character. And they're like, great. And it's like, that's the last movie they make. Yeah, you might be right. Sorry. So sorry. I think the Disney IP thing, I'm taking it off the table. Okay, so we're going to go with, what was her name? Priya? Priya something? Yeah, you know, let's 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 throw Jacob Tromblay to the wolves. You, you think he's yeah. done. You think he's washed up. He's like he's he's washed up. He's he's so 2019 or I don't know. I mean, people love that Stranger Things. So I think we'll put Priya Ferguson in the in the main role. It'll bring a little more uh, energy to that Will character. I think it could use a little energy. Okay, sounds good. All right, and then we've got Henry Parker, cousin Henry. 
Okay, I've only got one pick, and it's the kid, uh, he was an it. It seems like there's only a few things you could really, really pop of shows that were maybe star-making sort of things, as you were saying. So this kid, uh, Jaden Martell, his name is, and he was an it. Mm-hmm. He was one of the kids in it. Which one? One of the ones with brown hair. Okay, you didn't look any further than that. <laughs> got it. I recognize his face. I mean, you could look it up. I don't know which well, one he played. Well, one of the characters from it. Just tell me what, what character you play. I'll look it up. I don't know. Was he the main one? Was he the main yeah, one? Yeah, I think he was the main one. Yeah, yeah. Tall, gangly kid. Bill Denenborough. That was the role. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but... yeah. The main kid. Got it. Yeah. Uh, played by the older version by what's-his-name? The guy from Split and maybe an X-Men movie. Oh, really? I don't, honestly, I don't even remember those movies. <laughs> All right. I've got two choices here for you. Again, uh, I've got this first one is a kid named Woody Norman, who I don't know if you've seen this film, but he was the... Uh, he's. He's Joaquin Fields, Joaquin Fields, Joaquin Phoenix's son in the film Come On, Come On from last year. Hmm, I never saw it. It's by all uh, parent reviews, all right, an all right little film. Hmm. I also haven't seen it, so I can't tell you one way or the other. He's got a good head of hair, though. Um, I was just about to say that. I just was Googling it as you were saying, and uh, yeah, he's he's a real pile of hair and uh, he looks very young here but I'm, I, I've, as things go on I don't know how old these photos are so they may be from like five years ago and then I've got the child lead of Dr. Sleep Kylie Curran you remember her she's the one with the shining who uh, old man shining has to protect who Ewan McGregor right is that right Ewan McGregor yeah that's right yeah you like that movie I didn't like the movie why don't we go with her sure let's go with her I think she was good in that movie I, I thought the kid in that movie actually did a pretty good job yeah she was better than the movie was and then, of course, you've got Beanpole, a.k.a. Jean-Paul. Right. Now, I don't love my pick because I think I've picked this kid before. It's the kid from Stranger Things, that Finn Wolfhard. And the only oh, reason yeah, I picked yeah. him is because he's every time I see a picture of him, he seems to be getting taller and ganglier. And I thought, well, that's good for Beanpole. So that was my that reasoning behind that it. That is true. But he's, what, like 25 right now? I know. He's he's probably way too old. But every time I see him, I'm like, geez, he's gotten tall. I was like, he's, he's a real beanpole, am he I does, right? He did get very tall, didn't yeah. he? He's got to be like seven feet tall. All right. Well, I've got two choices again here. I don't know if you'll know this kid. I don't know if you watched the show. But if you'd watched Raised by Wolves, uh, the HBO show, uh, it's a kid named Winter McGrath. Who, uh, he's, got, he's not as tall, but he's got, a, he's got a real look to him. He's also got a head of hair. Long mm. hair. And then my other option was young Sheldon himself, Ian Armitage. <laughs> no, he doesn't need any more money. He's fine. Okay, okay. No young Sheldon. We won't typecast this as a young Sheldon type. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of like kind of like the look of this Winter McGrath kid. We can get someone with crazy hair in it at least. I'm like a casting agent in the background. Like, we don't see anything. I'm like, I like the look of this kid. Let's put them up for the role. <laughs> Let's go with them. All right. Well... We can move on to the adult roles now, so you'll you'll be a little more comfortable in this in this arena. Yeah, I am. We decided to include Ozzy Mandius. It's it's a little bit of a smaller role. He's going to come into the beginning. He's going to come at the end of the first movie. This is your this is going to be your like stunt casting a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. who did you, who did you have in mind for Ozzy Mandius? I went in a completely different direction because I think this this character needs more personality. They need to be visually more interesting, and so I went with Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. Yeah. Okay. He's very old. Uh, I, yeah. I guess that could work. Yeah, yeah. I think I it's think perfect. It's Maybe you've made it creepier to have him asking for uncapped boys, but okie dokie. Yeah, because that could be creepier. That could be much, much creepier. I think I think the general idea itself is pretty creepy. 
<laughs> well, you're bound away. Uh, he'll be either in his always sunny in Philadelphia makeup or his penguin makeup, one or the other. Oh, please be the penguin. Okay, I went a different direction, obviously, than you. I'm trying to like bring someone who's gonna like really be the the marquee name here. And I, my first choice, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Now, here's the thing: Is Tom Cruise gonna take this bit part? He might. We'll see. He's like, how many action scenes can I do that I can be doing for no reason? That's he gets of thing. to fake his death in a huge stunt. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe maybe he'll take it. And who else? Who else do you have? Because I was I just was with Danny DeVito. I was like, well, that's a home run. Well, I mean, this is maybe along a similar thinking to you, and that it's a little intense. And that's Mads Mikkelsen. Mm, that's actually pretty good. I actually really like that. I think that's a, I think that's the casting there. Okay, you want to go with Mads Mikkelsen? You know what? I think it's in the range of like the role he would play, like a bit part in one of these things. You know, it's a paycheck so he can go do a real movie. And then he also has a bit of an air of mystery around him. I think Tom Cruise is too distracting. Fair enough, fair enough. He will he will draw the eye too much. And then when you get there, he's only in like 10 minutes of you. will be like, ah, oh, that's it? <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe they spent $75 billion in that stunt for that one scene. <laughs> I'm surprised you blew your Danny DeVito already because it's he's perfect for the next role, the voice of Will's master. I actually do have two picks for this. And one I think is someone, well, you'll see. My first one is maybe not the most well-known uh, actor, but Fred Melamed. Do you know him? I do not. If you Google him, you'll see a really great voice. That's like, I think, his thing. He's got a real, real great voice. So I just think that that's what I'm thinking. Like, you'll you'll know him right away when you hear him. How old is this man, first of all? Oh, he's old. 67. Oh, not so old. Anyways, Google him. You'll be like, wow, another home run, Jordan. What a, what a voice. Yeah, what a voice. <laughs> yeah, that's my first one. All right, well, I thought we're going to lure him out of retirement, Jordan. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. He's also dead. Did he die? Yeah, he's dead. When did he die? Died in 2020, so three years ago. Oh, well, I guess he COVID got him and I wasn't paying attention. Did we get his voice, though? Did he record enough stuff that they could just AI him together for this? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, I guess we'll cut him off the list. I didn't realize he had passed away. R.I.P. Sean Connery. Well, I'll tell you, um, it's only somewhat in the same uh, vein for my second pick uh, with a bit of a brogue, uh, but an Irish one, which is I picked Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, hey, the master is Irish. Why not? Well, I wanted to lure a different actor out of retirement who may be dead for all I know now. I don't know. Maybe all retired actors are actually dead actors. I'm not sure. And who's that? Rick Moranis. Oh, no. Rick Moranis isn't dead. He's just like semi-retired. I'm just double checking that Rick Moranis isn't dead. There's no way. (laughs) Rick Moranis is 70. Well, you know, I like the idea of Colin Farrell. Yeah, let's that's do it. That's what you said, think, right? Yeah, yeah, Colin Farrell. I think that's pretty good. He's got a good voice. I think uh, coming off of whatever that was, the Banshees of Isenshire or whatever, he can bring yeah. that pathos to the master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking for in this YA movie. And finally, Jordan, who's directing this masterpiece? The first part of three to six movie series. <laughs> well, I... Uh, um. The first pick I have, I don't think he would do this, but I think it's just like, they're like, we're, we're, we're convincing him to do it. Um, he's like, I'll do the story, but I'm going to mess it up and do the third act first. And then the second act will be in, uh, you have to think about it. And then the first act will happen three weeks later. It's going to be Christopher Nolan. 
Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting choice. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if this is the kind of material, but it's possible. Yeah. Well, wait till my second pick. All right. Well, my first pick in a similar vein in that it's also like uh, aiming for the stars as I was like, you know, giant robots, small, tiny people. It felt like a role uh, for Peter Jackson to take on. Mm, uh, you know what? That's a pretty good. That's pretty good. That's uh, I think that might be the winner. But let, before before we uh, stamp that in anything, I've got my second pick, which is this show. At least this TV show we watched is like slow. It's plodding. It's pedantic. You're waiting for things to happen. Kelly Reichardt. <laughs> she, she's she's the director of uh, that horse movie, the horse named Dog or something. Power of the Dog. No, 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 no. No, that's Jane Campion. That's who's, right. Who's Kelly Reichardt? She did um, First Cow was I think the last movie she did. Like Wendy and Lucy, mm. Meeks Cut Off. I actually I I'm, I'm making fun of. I actually really like her stuff. She makes great films. I just they're so you know minimalist and i just thought hey <laughs> let's just go for it if that's the, if that's the idea it's gonna be a YA novel <laughs> where not much is said and people just walk around right 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 it'll be a little more um uh, what's the term uh it'll be a little more realistic so a lot of realism mm-hmm. that's right you're gonna really feel the journey well my other option is a bit out of left field but i think you might enjoy it what if we brought on tom hanks to direct interesting and tom hanks wants to direct this i think tom hanks is interested it's been a little while since he's done his last picture it's a fun like kids movie so i think he's like got grandkids coming in he's got he wants to make something for them what's the last thing tom hanks directed i can only think of that one where they dance and sing what's the right way we, we are the beatles that thing you do the thing you do thank you yeah let's do it let's have tom hanks direct this movie I think it's fun. I think he'll have a nice time with the kids. You know, he's an actor, directing actors. Yeah. All right. Well, Jordan, let me break it down for you. Mm-hmm. Um, never have we put together a movie I felt uh, so uncertain about in the summer blockbuster season. But honestly, maybe because it's a new IP people aren't used to, we'll get a little juice out of it. Unlike that Dial of Destiny. There you go. We've got Will Parker, played by Priya Ferguson from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll be a gender swap. That'll be fine. Then we got Henry Parker, another gender swap. Uh, Kylie Curran from Dr. Sleep. So this is a high mm-hmm. young cast. These are all up and coming. That's right. And then, of course, Beanpole, a.k.a. John Paul, is played by Winter McGrath from Raised by Wolves. He'll have that big head of hair. Yeah, <laughs> you need that. Um, of course, Ozymandias will be played by Mads Mikkelsen. He'll bring a little gravitas to the role mm-hmm. before getting to break in his cabin for a few months and then come back. <laughs> that's right and uh someone who'll come in later just to do some voice work no one will ever meet him uh the master will be played by colin farrell yeah yeah he'll he'll be doing that from his home uh he'll be doing it from his couch yeah yeah his cell phone will be plugged into his ear and he'll be like all right i'm ready i guess <laughs> and directing this masterpiece fresh off what was that one uh, the sequel to mm-hmm. Winter Express, <laughs> Christmas Express train movie. He came back and did a second one, but but after he did that, he's coming to do Tom Hanks is directing. Yeah, Tom Hanks is directing. He's like he's like you know what, Larry Crown didn't do what I wanted, but this one will. Well, Jordan, I've never been less excited about a movie. <laughs> That's because it's not for us. It's for the kids. The kids are excited. It's for the kids. The kids are gonna love. Yeah, it. yeah. There you go. All right, Jordan. Shall we get into it? Mm-hmm, let's do it. Here's the IMDb summary for Season 2, Episode 10, 
the Kognosk departs. Avoiding capture by the Black Guard, Will and Fritz make their way to the river under the city to escape back to the White Mountains. You know what I like about these synopses? That's pretty much all you would really need for the show. You could just have someone say that, and you're like, I don't need to watch the episode. Because there really not much <laughs> not much else happens. That's pretty much it. That's the that's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. And that's that's except they somehow stretched it out to twenty five minutes. But it's just that's that's pretty much it. I don't know, Jordan. I really liked how the episode started. We cut to Will poking his dead master with a stick. That's just it just opens on him poking a corpse. I'm like, what happened? It's last pretty episode? good. The series should have opened this way, and then we should have done the whole series in flashback. And that corpse is so gray and translucent, it looks terrible. Yeah, he really poked it to death. It was. Uh, I was just like, well, we really missed a lot in the one episode we didn't watch in between the last one and this one. Yeah, he becomes a murderer. You know, no, by the way, they never actually say how he killed him. I'm assuming. It is unclear. I'm assuming, and I think you probably also assume, he punched him in the mouth. <laughs> well, that's got to be the only way. It's even yeah. unclear whether it was accidental or not. Like, we will never quite confirm what happened there. Will's really... For I'm sure the viewer who saw the last episode knows exactly, but like for us who just tuned in, we're like, how how brutal was this murder? Yeah, I know. it's just a scene of him just like punching him and punching him, and Fitz is like, please stop, he's already dead. Uh, it appears apparently that um, one of the other slaves Will works with had given his master, uh, Will I guess was writing a spy diary of all his findings in the city, and so he'd given his master this diary, and so I guess Will was backed into a corner. But there also seems to be a bit of an issue where you remember, you remember Coggy the Cognos from that last episode. Of course. Apparently, after meeting with Will and learning all Will's secrets, Coggy the Cognos decided he was getting out of Dodge. He was done with this place because, uh, as Will says, Coggy thought the masters were, quote, dumb wits and wanted out. Yeah, it's not quite clear exactly what happened. But yes, he just has left. And it's a bit of a... Like a like a minor scandal, uh, uh, in the world. Yeah, yeah, no, the masters are quite scandalized by this missing thing. Anyway, also apparently in the episode we missed this gets brought up. Also, I didn't understand, but at some point in the last episode, there had also been an accident in the slave quarters, which caused six slaves to die of oxygen deprivation. Which I don't know, but felt like Will was somehow also related to. So I was like, I don't know what happened between episode six and episode eight but will got up to a lot of trouble almost i think episode seven's where everything happened we, that's the one we didn't watch six dead slaves a cognost <laughs> on the run his master dead i was just like i was starting this episode being like my hair's blowing back nothing usually happens and now everybody's dead yeah yeah um hey i have to say in this uh this little chamber where we find will at the beginning in his little uh sexy boy uh space outfit and uh by the way doesn't everyone all the outfits in this I was laughing as I was as watching it. They all look like something like like Liberace would have designed for like his like like manservants. Like all the outfits are hilarious. They're everyone's in shorts and, and t shirts. Even the guards when we see them later, they're in just like in black ones, but they're also shorts and, and, and short <laughs> sleeves. It just makes me laugh. Anyways, that, that I like warm. that you have a it's warm in the city of gold. <laughs> you have to wear your like uh, uh, space helmet, but you still have short sleeves and, and short <laughs> shirts. Anyways, but in in this little uh, this little pointy uh, like it almost looks like a a mix of like uh, a room and like a catacomb sort of thing. Uh, it's all hand wave technology. Do you like that? I did like it when we see we see it's like uh, what do you call it? Um, that other Tom Cruise movie, uh, Minority, Minority Report. Report. Everything's like he's just moving his hand around, mm-hmm. pulling up diagrams. I'm like, oh, look at this computer technology. Well, I like it because what he is is he's like 
he walks over to one of these like kind of pointy pillar things he waves his hand over it and it's like oh schematics he's like nope that's not what i want then he goes over to waves another one it's like the door opens he's like ah that's the one i was like well that's pretty good that's the one i was looking for yeah <laughs> it was pretty good i did like that too um anyway all of this chaos i guess has led the slave master into wanting to know what exactly transpired in that meeting will had with Kagi. so he's just like sending the blackguards out he's like find that will kid I don't know what happened in there, but we've lost a Cognosk. All these slaves are dead. I got to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And Will, of course, he retreats to the to the city. Everything's falling apart for him. He finds Fritz. And uh, Fritz, of course, has been doing his job, keeping a low profile. Nobody's on him at all. And they have, like, I, I like that there's a scene where, like, Fritz and him, like, have an argument. But, like, it was lacking any sort of tension at all. I'm like... I don't know if it was just the performances or the way it was blocked or just the general tone of the show, but it was like they're having an argument, but it was just like a conversation where they were getting louder. I was like, guys, <laughs> I don't know whose side I'm on. And I don't really care. I liked it. I liked it because basically Will's just like, we have to go to the city right now. Uh, I killed my master. Everyone's looking for him. We got to go. And uh, Fritz is like, you idiot. How did you fuck this up? What's going on? And Will's just like, doesn't matter. We're leaving. We're leaving right now. And, he, and Fritz is like, all right, great. Well, give me your notes. I'll put them in this plastic bag so we can swim out of here. And Will's like, oh, I, uh, I maybe left my notes in the dead tentacles of my master. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And I like that they have to go back. They have to go back to find him. And then here's the, so they're like, all right, we got to go back. We got to go get these notes. They go back to the room. Guy's still there dead. And they're like, well, we have to make it look like it wasn't a murder. So is the idea that they're they're, they're going to make it look like this guy had a, a, an accidental overdose of gas Yeah, balls? that's just it. Well, that was Fritz's first idea that Will wouldn't go through with. Because he's like, we just got to run. I don't want to make it look like an OD. And Fritz, they have to go there anyway. So Will's like, so Fritz's like, come on. Now it's time to make it look like an overdose. So they take those gas balls we saw. Look at the implication then that those gas balls, they get high from them. Because I thought they were food. No, no. Will specifically says in this episode, he's just like, my master took them to kind of calm himself down. Like they're like, they are like a thing that he uses to like, hmm. you know, even out. He gets a little anxious. So he like takes a little <laughs> gas ball and like calms down. I love it. They're just breaking them up and just dropping like the loose, like scattered remains around him. They're like, well, this looks like enough to have killed. Him. Yeah, they're making it look like a heroin den. <laughs> It's so funny, and it was so great, because that was, like, Fritz's first idea, and then Fritz was like, yes, we're going to do my idea. <laughs> Make a fake overdose. I didn't quite understand the way this was shot, but, like, they basically, while they do this, uh, more masters show up to kind of, like, see what happened. Um, and are they, are they sort of stuck in a mid-room? Because at one point, they, they're they like, oh, no, they're here. we got to go to the, they're, like, sort of, like, boy quarters um, but there's people getting invest. His old roommates getting investigated. Then behind him are the masters. But where are they? I couldn't quite figure out the geography of it. It's an elevator. There, they got in an elevator mm. to leave the room, so they're kind of watching from it. And and my investigated, you mean the other boy slave is getting beaten like yes. quite brutally. Well, well they, yeah, they're they're like they're like, what happened to Will? He's like, I don't know. They're like, I guess we'll just beat you up. And they kind of cut away and they cut back to him. His face is all mangled. I was like, ooh, that was yeah, it good. looked pretty bad. Yeah. But I do like that the, the the two masters looking over the dead body, just being like, "Hmm," and we get a, we get a lot of um, uh, a lot of shots of them having their little like like tripod language, and it's not I like know. subtitled or anything. So it's a lot of them like, blah, 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 blah. like, "Oh, good, I'm glad this is in there." I was glad we got to see more tripod masters because they are all different. They didn't use the same puppet. They're like different puppets for everyone. They're weird. Did you notice later on? And I think it's in this episode where one of them has a really pointy head. 
Yeah, yeah, that was one of these guys for sure. He, yeah. he had a real conehead. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming it's like a bit of a body mod thing. Oh yeah, you think it's a cool? He's just like this is gonna make me look cool at the clubs. He's like the equivalent of donut heads. Remember donut heads? Remember that was a thing? No, what are you talking about? People would inject silicone into their forehead, then put like a like a, a dent in the middle, and it looked like you had a big uh, donut in your forehead. When was this a thing? At what point of time? <laughs> this was a thing. Look it up. Was there one person you saw in like a National Geographic special? Or not a world? What's it called? A uh, not National Geographic. Um, <laughs> the uh, the world records. <laughs> oh oh no no. Anyways, I don't know. Someone sent me a thing one time. I looked at donut heads. This 100% sounds like something you would watch because it's just like, check out these people from a circus. And you're like, this is it. I'm like, that's not clickbait. Click. <laughs> anyway, on with the show. Uh, Fritz has, like, has a whole plan here. So they've faked an OD and now they're going to rush Will to, uh, I guess there's a suicide chamber where old slaves go to end their lives. They get vaporized in this beam yeah. of light. That, that wasn't, I, I kind of like that it wasn't clear because um, it's... It, sort of spoken implicitly later on but i wasn't quite sure what it was i was like is this an elevator uh, but it's not we see a guy go and he sort of like gives a type of like, prayer to the uh to the tripods being like i worship them blah 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 and he gets like vaporized but again it, it might be a little bit of a special effects thing i wasn't sure if they were getting beamed but it it works out well for the plot because will can sort of pretend uh, as a way to throw them off that he has also done this so he can take off his wrist guard which by the way he shouldn't be allowed to do um because uh it's too easy for him to do that but anyways he takes it off and puts it beside the thing so it looks like it vaporized and when the black guard who through this whole episode is kind of chasing him like he's uh samuel gerard from the fugitive um i like that he comes into the room and smells it and he's like yeah it smells like flesh is being uh burned here and i was like <laughs> well done will well done well, that's just it. Fritz has this. Fritz's whole plan is just like any self-respecting slave, if he had allowed his master to OD on too many gas balls, would be down here in an instant, just vaporizing himself. Uh, Jordan, did you catch what they call um, this ritual suicide? No, I didn't. I believe the old man before he goes in says, "Ah, time for sweet release." <laughs> I didn't hear that at all. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So apparently, this is before you die. It's sweet release. So it feels like it must be pretty good. This would be pretty good. I think I'll go for one of those. <laughs> one sweet release, please. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, at this point, what they've kind of done is made it Will look like he's killed himself. The master's dead. Fritz has like basically lined up a pretty good cover story to get Will out of there with no one being suspicious. Um, but before he can go, he's like, let me just go check into my uh, office job at the Power Elite. I just need to check in for work so no one's suspicious that I'm on the run. <laughs> Oh, and there's one other thing I, I wanted to mention. I don't know why it tickled me, but um, when the uh, um, the black guard and their little uh, boy shorts are, are going around trying to investigate, they go to a bar at one point, and the bar is called the Pink Parrot. Oh, yeah. That was a weird cutaway where there's like the slaves have a nightclub. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening at this nightclub? It, a, a lot of this, I actually think th there's a little bit of a problem with um, the more they build on the world, I think the less it makes sense. And in the next episode, when we talk about the circus... I think it makes the whole capping and stuff not quite work as well. And this sort of thing of like, I understand it's sort of like, uh, you know, uh, bread and circus, you know, quite literally of like, uh, they have things to do and stuff. But I'm like, they should all be capped and stuff. So they shouldn't have those same desires and wants and um, uh, needs in the same sort of way. So I don't know if it quite works, but it was a funny thing regardless to see a slave nightclub called the Pink, uh, the Pink Parrot. 
Yeah, yeah, it was a very odd cutaway. I wonder if maybe in another episode they spent more time there, but I was just like, I don't know what I'm seeing, and we're moving on, so it's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, Fritz also covers his tracks by like coming to start a shift, and he goes back and gets Will, and they sort of hit the road, they're on the run, and it's a little odd because the Blackguard thinks Will's dead, but now, like, I guess what it is, it's, remember that episode we saw that one Blackguard guy who was really mad that Fritz didn't pick him, he picked the Power Elite? seems like that one guy has been out to get Fritz because he's like interviewing his co-workers and his co-workers are like, he doesn't have any talent. I don't know why he's here. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> That's pretty good. And they like spot them as they're running over some like catwalks. So there's like a bit of a chase where the these three Blackguard are chasing Fritz down. But uh, Will and Fritz get the drop on them when they get to this like underground lake. And at first I was just like, oh, they're just throwing these guys into the lake so they can escape. But then Fritz is just like, Will, I'm going to stay here. I've got a good job with a pension. I'm not leaving the City of Gold. I'm going to stay at my job. And I was like, oh, did they just kill those three men? Oh, they killed him. I think they killed yeah. him. Yeah. Because Fritz is just like, no one suspects me of anything. I'm way better at being a spy than you. So I'm going to send you back with the information of the White Mountains. And I'm going to stay here at my job. And I was just like, oh, so they killed those men. <laughs> Yeah, and I actually think Fitz is right. I think I like him better than the other characters, despite whatever he's trying to do. Maybe a German accent or something that doesn't work. Um, they, uh, uh, it makes sense. It's like, well, if both of them leave, it's gonna ruin it for everyone because it. They know there's a conspiracy now. If just Will leaves, it looks like what it was was that he either killed himself or he did something bad and has, has tried to escape. So it's like, okay, that makes sense. It was a one-person sort of conspiracy. But I did like one how bad the blocking was of the fight how bad the the <laughs> the the stunt action was it was just funny because like when uh, will like will like knocks out a guy from behind it's fine but later on he has to like grab a guy and throw him over like the barricade so he goes into the water and it's like the guy's probably double his weight and it's it just it, there's like no weight to the guy he just like th- tosses him i was like all right sure why not no it's really tough because they are 13 year olds fighting grown yeah. men <laughs> yeah and it's just like it's just a funny thing we're like it really would have I think probably being in the show's interest to add that little bit of like realism for a little tension of like, it should be difficult for him to attack these guys. You know what I mean? Like there should be more of a struggle, but there needs to be more time of them going and checking on the master 45 times. So they needed to get that in the show first. <laughs> well, it's all over here because Fritz is going to stay. He's going to keep with his job and um, old Will's going to hop into that lake and use his little uh, rebreather, his little helmet. He's going to swim through an underground cave and go back and bring information to the White Mountain. That's where the episode ends. This is sort of uh, the end of episode uh, 10, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So here is the IMDb summary for season two, episode 12, The Forest of Death. Best title so far. First, you should teach poor Gino here how to throw. And when they respect his skill enough, someone might volunteer. What the slut? Volunteer? Perhaps even me, on one condition. He must throw at least a hundred consecutive knives into the practice board without a single touch on the human shape. <laughs> Almost captured by the Black Guard, Will and Beanpole are hidden by a traveling circus. After finding out the leader is going to betray them to the tripods, Will convinces the other kids working there to escape with him to the White Mountains. And that was courtesy of Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> That's funny. It's like Rebecca mixed with Chewbacca. I like it. <laughs> uh, so I like it. This is the, the, the final episode. And things have changed because 
we're not going to see Fitz anymore. He's he's got his good pension job. We're back to Beanpole somehow. We don't know where where that happened or wh- I, one, again. Became. One episode has passed between these two episodes, yeah. and so much has changed that I, I'm like, it feels like I'm watching a different season of the show. Yeah, I've actually decided the show is better with episodes missing because it just feels like we jump over a bunch of stuff. And you're like, sure, now it's them, Beanpole and Will. They're hiding <laughs> in a traveling circus. I was like, well, just said we left Will. He was going to escape. He's going to like come out of a sewer duct just outside the Golden City where Beanpole was standing there the whole time for this, all these months is waiting, apparently. I'm assuming, yeah, well, he clearly wasn't in the White Mountains because that's the whole point of this journey. So, yeah, he was doing something near the city, I guess. He lost the tripod games and then he just like panhandled for a few months. Yeah, he couldn't get himself a slave job. And yeah, apparently in that episode, also to escape the black guards who were searching for Will, they joined a traveling circus and they were able to convince the man who runs the circus, who uh, we know is evil because he's like maniacal and constantly whipping children with a whip. Um, but they convinced him to help because they know where a hidden treasure is they're going to give him. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Well, a, a couple of things I want to talk about first. Does the whole idea of a circus in this world make sense? Because I didn't think it did, you know? We are missing, yeah, some pieces here. Because I was also just like, there's just a traveling circus? Because this guy explains, his name's Ali Pasha. I I think it might be a little racist, hard to say. Um, (laughs) But he apparently (laughs) travels across different countries in Europe and abducts children to perform in his circus. Children he doesn't train, he just whips them until they do a circus act. And this man, he himself does not appear to be capped. But he also appears to be like in league with the Blackguard and also the tripods. Yeah. So I think the implication is that like there's this idea that everyone's capped, but there seems to be a fairly it's it's a very corruptible system, it seems like to me. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. I, I mean, obviously, there's a bit of like an Oliver, Oliver Twist Fagan thing going on here with the, the children doing whatever bad nefarious things through this guy. But um the, even the idea, though, of the circus, like, okay, let's say he's not capped and he's because he's paid off the guard or whatever. So he has his whatever uh, creativity or his integrity or his inspiration or whatever it is that the capping takes away because it's unclear. But like, don't you think that with capping isn't the idea that you're just sort of like a bit of a drone as an adult or you sort of are at least very focused on like your task? That's what they want you. They want you pliable. They want you um, sort of boring. Um would you even need entertainment as a cat person? So like, would you go see a circus? Isn't that sort of frivolous and pointless in your everyday life? It is a good question. I also had the same question. I'm like, maybe cat people. I mean, it's a circus. People love a circus. Maybe maybe they're just saying circuses are the lowest common entertainment denominator. Perhaps that's it. I just It was one of those things where I just kept thinking, you know, like a lot of these sort of like dystopian things, if you if you get into it too much and you start expanding it too much, it the core idea may be doesn't hold up as well um but regardless the whole point it is it raised questions i agree it, it, it raised, raised questions but yes we we missed that apparently um they know where gold is will and beanpole and i don't know if that's real or it's just one of their like lies they use to get into something yeah i have no idea i was also just like now there's also buried treasure i'm not gonna worry too much about that either but yeah they're, at, they're in a circus for some reason a traveling circus full of children Will is really standing up for the kids. He doesn't think it's fair mm-hmm. how Allie's always whipping them with a like bullwhip. He doesn't think that's very nice. At yeah. some point, 
one of the kids is practicing to be a knife thrower and he's not very good. So Will steps in. He's just like, I'll do the dangerous knife throwing stunt. If he can throw those knives properly 100 times. And then we like cut to what feels like five minutes later, but I think it's supposed to be weeks later because they've like mm-hmm. traveled from the golden city to the city of Geneva. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And I like it. The kids like Will's basically like taking a stand, you know, like I'm going to do it. I'm Spartacus sort of thing. And then like the kid comes by and he's like, Hey man, I just did it. I got a hundred a row. And Will's like, Oh, Oh, you're calling me on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, and We'll end up seeing a, the full circus act. We'll get to see the entire circus happen. They're performing it for the Black Guard. And we'll get to see Will do the role of the man who gets knives thrown at him. And I don't know. I had to go back and watch this three or four times, Jordan. You may have just like, your eyes may have glazed over. But did you watch the scene where they throw the knives at Will? Yes, I did. Did you watch the parts? The climax of the throwing of knives is that they throw a knife at an apple that's on Will's head. Mm-hmm. Did you notice there appeared to be no cut in that scene and that the actor playing Will had to duck very suddenly so the knife didn't hit him square in the forehead? I did notice the same thing. Now, I I think that is what actually happened is that I don't think it would have hit him in the forehead, but I think it probably would have come very close is that he had to duck down probably an inch or so and that thing hit square in the uh, square of the apple. Now, again... Was it an actual sharp knife? Did it actually cut that apple? Was it a pre-cut apple? I don't know. But it it did appear to be like very close to an actual uh, horrific accident on set. The look of that actor's face in the moments before that knife strikes is one of terror as he drops half an inch so that the <laughs> knife does not hit him in the head but travels over him into the apple, which then splits in half. And I was just like... I don't know how this was faked. The reason I really noticed it was because really in the scene in world, he shouldn't move at all, right? That should be the whole point is that he's brave. And uh, even though he's doing something he doesn't want to do, the guy throws the uh, throws the knife at the apple. He doesn't move. But you're right. The actor does actually move. And it's almost like they're like, that's the take. That's the only take we're going to get. We're not doing that again. Yeah, I mean, it works. Like it hits the apple. It looks like it, it hit, hits the apple, goes right into the board behind his head. But I was watching just like, I don't know. I was like, wait. Did he just duck half an inch? And I like rolled it back. And I'm like, oh my God, he looks terrified. Yeah. I have to say though, and you mentioned it uh, uh, just a moment ago. It is hilarious and so unfitting with this show that we watch like an entire circus. I'm like, guys, there's actual tension built in here that they have, that people are, these kids are hiding. They have to uh, travel across the world. He's going to try to create a revolt with these kids. Uh, they have to make it to the White Mountain. Uh, they have the tripod. There's, tripods after them there's all this like tension and then we spend like 15 minutes watching like people on stilts i'm like guys we don't need to just say it's a circus i don't need to see any of it well what has happened here is the circus has come to geneva will and beanhole have come along because geneva is close to the white mountains so they're just planning to get here and then leave and get to the white mountains Mm -hmm. but of course you know they've come to feel for these circus kids who are just like under the like whip of this alley character who runs the circus and at the last show a tripod has shown up to the circus and the crowd is just black guards and basically in talking to Allie because Allie treats Will and Beanpole kind of as equals because they're like going to give him that treasure he tells them he's like yeah yeah what happens after today's show is what happens on all of these things I travel the countries picking up stray children I bring them here and then I get them capped and I sell them to the black guard as slaves and I was like holy shit that's dark 
Well, I also I wasn't quite sure. I'm like, so there's there's multiple ways you could become a slave. You can win the games and become a slave, or you can get sold and become a slave. Basically, no matter what, you're ending up a slave. Yeah, yeah, but this time you're not a slave to the masters. Like the black guard, and they're like bidding on the children. I'm like, I don't, I don't like any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black guard do seem uh, especially creepy. I don't know if it's the outfits or whatever, the little funny little hats, but they do seem like creepy, uh, creepy villains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Will takes all the circus kids aside. He explains, "Is like, hey, this is the end of the line for you. If you don't come with me to the White Mountains, you're getting sold into slavery by Ally." Um, oh, also, by the way, as long as I've got you in the room together, uh, something I learned in the Golden City was that the tripods are sending a terraformer from their home world of Tryon. It'll be here in three years, and they'll be changing the atmosphere of Earth into tripod uh, tripod air. So we only have three years anyway. You might as well come with me. And I was just like, I'm sorry, what happened, Will? Yeah, the stakes have been raised. So it's it's not only now that they're going to take your uh, your ability to paint with capping. Uh, it's now going to be that you can't breathe either. So you might yeah, as well. Yeah, full terraformers like, like, I, coming. Hard science fiction is about to happen. Like I would even mention the capping at that point. If if you can't breathe air, it's like, guys, you're not going to breathe air. So like, you're going to come with me. Yeah, yeah. I think it's best to come with me to the free man. And anyway, all the kids agree. They sneak off in the middle of the night. There's like a escape sequence where they run into the woods. And then for some reason, like a whole bunch of tripods are in the woods. And they just start like firing wildly at children in the woods. It's all in the dark. It's like a long action sequence again and i know there's some budgetary restraints but i do think they would have uh it would have helped the show and added a little bit of tension to if you always see tripods like there's a there are presents that are always are excuse me there are presents that are always around there's this implicit fear that just having them there just the image um and the idea that you know this journey is perilous because not only you're a, a kid going across uh the world essentially with no resources but there's these forces that are stopping you. Um, and I thought that was a good scene of them going through the forest and they get chased because who knows if the tripods even knew, know who they are. They just like, well, these kids, let's just start shooting them. And I thought it was pretty good. And I just think they could have leaned into stuff like that and given the feeling of how scary the world is opposed to, again, watching acrobats for 10 minutes. <laughs> you don't want to see that kid that stilts do that little dance? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, we all do, but like maybe not so long. <laughs> At any rate, they escape the tripods. They wake up the next morning and they've arrived in the White Mountains. It's great. They head off to the Freeman hideout. Um, and what they discover is that apparently Cousin Henry is not quite the defensive tactician that Julius <laughs> thought he was. I didn't even think of that. Because the hideout of the Freeman is just smoldering runes. And it just like uh, it ends on a cliffhanger of like a real down note. Yeah, I did like that it was uh, it was a down note to finish on. But yes, they go there. Everything's destroyed. But it's funny. I hadn't thought about how um, Henry, maybe putting a 13-year-old in charge of the defenses maybe wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that plan backfired. Maybe he should have gone into the javelin throw. <laughs> uh, but that's that's how it ends. That's the end of all mm-hmm. the tripods. Uh, there was a third season plan, but it got canceled. So the tripod just ends on a real down note right at the end. It's like, I guess you're getting terraformed. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I I understand that's probably not how the book said, did not how they wanted the series to end. But I think there is something kind of interesting about how depressing a note is and the futility of them fighting against a, um, a force maybe they could never win. I think there's something kind of interesting about that. <laughs> well, Jordan, you want to get into rating this? I think we should, yeah. How did you feel about the Cognosc Departs? I, you know, we talk about it sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's not so bad. But then I remember having to watch it, and it's like longest 25 minutes of my life. Um, honestly, it just 
the parts I like are more me thinking about stuff and how it could be more interesting. I can't give this more than a five and a half. I'm sorry. Five and a half. I liked it. I, I loved when he poked his, started it by poking a corpse with a stick. I was just already like, what is happening? This is insane. Uh, I don't know. I, I love all the stuff that happens in the Golden City. We got to see like those uh, masters ride around in the, their glowing triangles. There's a lot of <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff I enjoy about this. I'm still giving it a seven. Man, you always give it a seven. And then the Forest of Death. I like this episode a little better, which is weird. I don't know why I liked it better because the circus was annoying. But I'm going to give it a six out of ten. I think mostly because of the bummer ending, and I like thinking that's how it ends, just with a real downer <laughs> of like, well, you're never going to win, folks. I'm going to drop down to a six for this one. I think it's just uh, it was very disconcerting to have come. Like you basically we watch an episode where in the Golden City, there's aliens everywhere. It's like life or death. They're running to escape with this information. Cut to they've joined a circus. And I like even for me, I was just like, I don't understand how in these two episodes we could have shifted gears this hard. <laughs> Maybe at the beginning of the episode where he's escaping uh, the Golden City, he's like, hey, look, there's a circus over there. And then you're like, oh, that's that's where he that's that's where he, he got the idea. Yeah, he runs over there. Beanpole's in line buying a ticket. He's like, Beanpole. <laughs> Beanpole's getting popcorn. But that's it. That's how uh, that's how old uh, tripods end. So I guess we mm-hmm. should probably find out what the final rating for this is, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I can pretty much guess what the rating is going to be because you're all your seven. So it's going to be like a six or something like that. But the, the, the thing I found is that no matter how good it could have ended, at least for me, it as a whole, it wouldn't have redeemed the, the sort of general mediocrity of the show. And that's kind of how I feel. It was just like a mediocre show. Sorry. It's Sorry so everyone. funny you find it so mediocre. I actually found it to be quite, quite an entertainment. I quite enjoyed it. Mm. I mean, compared to all the other... Um, book adaptations that we watched from like Lathe of Heaven to the Triffids to uh, the Vonnegut one um, any of these I just think this is the worst of all the adaptations don't you no no I think it's a lot of fun I mean I, maybe I'm being more forgiving because I understand it's for children and I'm like trying to yeah. watch it as if I was like eight years old and this were on TV on Saturday morning I would I would love this show as an eight-year-old it would have just been great I would have been so excited to come back next week to find out what crazy adventure they got up to next yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe I just wanted more crazy adventures, at last, you know. You'd like to see something a little more complex. You, you're, you'd like to see something with a little more, uh, not adult necessarily, but you, you, you'd like a little more grown-up version of it. I think, and, and you know what, that might be the, the, the disconnect between the two of us. And I think, I think you make a valid point. If you're watching this as a kid, it's a very different show, and perhaps it's not entirely fair. Uh, my criticisms of it and sort of the, the simplicity of some of these things. But that being said, you know, as a whole, I'm like, eh, it's it's fine. But but perhaps it is. Maybe it's just the problem of being an adult. You know, I'm not the age of uh, uh, Colton Colton uh, Speed Boy, whatever these these hip new actors are. You know, <laughs> you want to hear our average series average for uh, the the tripods, Jordan? Yeah, let's do it. It is six point five nine. I have to say, you know, it's got to be one of our higher series. I mean, I think overall average wise, you know, it's falling right in the middle of all the kind of shows we watch. Well, compared to, I mean, compared to all the ones we use the escape pod, it's much higher. That's true. That is true. But uh, what do you think, Jordan? I'm going to guess you're going to say not recommending. No, I don't think I could recommend this. Honestly, I just don't. I just it's it's too. I think there's a cool idea. I think. 
Uh, there's a lot of really interesting little set pieces and things you can move around. I just don't think this is the adaptation that is the one I would recommend to people. I'm, I can't wait for Disney to take this and, and, and really, uh, really give it some wings, you know? <laughs> great, great, great. Really turn it into some sort of Pinocchio. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I, I will say I think if you go in with the right mindset and understand kind of you're going to go in and mm-hmm. watch a children's show from the 80s, I think you'll you'll be doing better than a lot of the levels of children's shows of the 80s. It's, it's trying, it's aiming for something more than most kids shows do. And I think that's that's worthy of some sort of praise. I think that's fair. But that wraps it up for our coverage of the tripod. So uh, if you as a listener... If you're like, I'm a tripod head, I love all these episodes, I really wish you'd watch that episode where the circus dropped by Berlin for a day and they uh, <laughs> uh, performed for some sort of township where uh, capping happened or I don't know, whatever happened in the episodes we missed. You can uh, get us to watch it by giving to bonus episodes for charity. Uh, we have a little initiative where uh, we have a selection of charities on our website that were selected by past guests. You can find that at continuumdrag.podbean.com. And if you do a little donation to charity, we'll go back and watch an episode that we've skipped because we're watching a best of, like Tripods, or if we've taken the escape pod from a show, uh, like, say, what's a show we've skipped through? A Misfits of Science, perhaps. Hmm. Um, hmm. If there's a show you're just like, I would love to go to go back and watch that episode you didn't watch. It'd be fun to have a little bonus episode about it. So this is a way for you to do that. You give a little money to charity. Let us know. Send us a receipt. We'll go back. We'll watch an episode of your choosing. Um, all the details, like I said, are on the website, continuedrag.podbean.com. You can also find information, uh, links to all that on our social media. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. And then in the meantime, you'll, of course, be able to watch clips from the tripods. We'll have tripod attacks. We'll have circuses. We'll have knives being thrown at a child actor's head. He barely survives. Uh, that'll all be there. Yeah, that, that clip of the apple, that's the best one you got. Yeah, yeah, you can see the terror in a small child's face. <laughs> that you can find at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Continuum Dreg is the handle in all those locations. But that wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us for the Tripods. And, Jordan, I'll see you next week. See you then. Continuum Dreg is recorded in Toronto, Ontario, and Seoul, South Korea. Theme music by James Rick Seedler. Produced by Jordan Dalek and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes.